left, right. So it's wild today to be editing this Sip Talk podcast because today we're talking about scams in the podcast. Today, somebody messaged every member of my company pretending to be me from obviously a random number. They didn't hack me. They just came up with a phone number and messaged people. This is my new number. I need a favor. And they messaged a a whole bunch of agents that work at, at the Julio Group requesting them to send gift cards which is a scam it's a crazy scam we talk it's happened before we talk about it in this podcast but just uh just crazy timing on this one uh, i'd love your feedback on this podcast so uh do me a favor and leave in the comments what you think about these scams it's some crazy stuff it's really some crazy stuff so uh listen enjoy and give me your feedback thanks this is sip talk grab a drink and enjoy <laughs> Cheers. 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 Episode twenty nine. Of Sip Talk, which is pretty exciting. I, I like the speed we're, we're going in now. We're really cruising. Uh, let me just ask real quick James Boswell, the Bosinator. <laughs> what are you drinking over there? I am drinking dark rum on the rocks. Dark rum. What kind of dark rum? It's the same one that I was drinking from before, Bacardi Black. Bacardi Black. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't pick up. Whatever. Oh, Bacardi yeah. Black. It's because you're in a library. Yeah, I, uh, I just pulled out some ice cubes to defrost. I'm going to do a little scotch. I like scotch, but I got to defrost these ice cubes first. No, you just got to, like, squeeze them a little bit. Yeah, no. Nah, well, I cracked one of them, so now it only fills up halfway. I, I squeeze it too tight. Uh, um, yeah, I've got one of those spheres in, in my cup. It took me a minute to get it out of the, the mold. Yeah, it takes, it takes a little bit. You got a sphere? Uh, I got two of them. All right, nice. Um, so I don't know if you noticed, because we didn't talk about this a second ago. I changed the setup. What do you think? Better? Worse? Uh, it's about 90 degrees different. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. But at least I get to look this way, which is nice. Happy Tuesday, Rose. Um, so we've got a few people watching between TikTok, Facebook, uh, Instagram. But uh, I wanted Glad to-, to have all of them, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. We're glad each and every one of you guys. Um, I did get a some feedback on the, the YouTube podcast. Um, somebody tell a quick catfish story. Figured I would share that one because we were talking about catfishing. Uh, yeah, let's follow it up. I was catfished. Uh, anybody have any good catfish stories? Feel free to share them because I love these stories. Um, I was catfished completely two years ago. The short version of my story, I video chatted with this person who I thought was Michael. And we talked at length for hours in the three-week time frame. We decided to meet up at Applebee's just for drinks. Uh, so this guy walks in, uh, walks up to me and says, hey, Eve, I'm Michael. I'm like, Michael who? He replies, Michael, the one you've been chatting with for three weeks. I immediately said, check, please. I got to go. This is not happening. And I ran out of there so quickly. He's been blowing up my phone, asking for me to give him another chance. Um, nope. And I blocked him. Yikes! Yeah, man, I don't know the the end goal with the catfishing. Like, what? 
you know, at some point you got to rip the bandaid off and, and the leg falls off. Like, you know, it's not. Well, some people do it just for just for the thrill of like pretending to be somebody else and they never intend on meeting. And but then, can, but but that's mean. It, it is. I'm not saying it's a good thing to do. I'm just saying that that's why. And then the other thing is like if you can get if you can get deep enough into it, you might be able to get people to send you money or whatever. So you got some scammers out there that are just trying to pull that thread. So I like that idea. I like the I like the idea of asking for money. You know, um, I heard some stories from the guy, one of the guys in the office, and he said he was doing like a dating app, like a Tinder type thing, and somebody took his face and cropped it onto a body. And uh, said he was, you know, put like a picture of his dick in his hand and said he's going to share it to his whole contact list if he doesn't send the money. No, I, I would say go ahead and share it. I'll explain. <laughs> exactly. That's, I mean, obviously we don't hold political office, but I think, I think the easiest solution would be just, you know, eh, it's not me. Uh, yeah, I would, even if I held political office, I'd be like, look, this is, this is what happened, guys. Um, so many people that just want to do, want to do bad shit. That's one of the reasons why I've never sent nudes and I never will is just in case it would ever fall into the wrong hands. Like it's easier to not have to explain something like I that. Want a, I want a quick show of hands and somebody give me a thumbs up. if They've ever sent a nude. Um, I'm, I'm really curious on this. Greetings from Hungary. Um, somebody uh, already feedback about people asking for money. Obviously I'm, I'm surprised. It's a, uh, it's a girl saying that it was a guy that asked for the money. But I feel like the reverse would be much more likely. Yeah, of someone pretending to be a female and trying to a do girl asking male. a guy for money, or a guy undercover as a woman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy. It doesn't matter whether or not you're actually a female. You could be just someone is pretending to be a female, either a female pretending to be a different female or a dude. But yeah, I, I would feel that men are going to be much more susceptible to sending money to some unknown female than. I think guys are just dumb. So, oh yeah, I think I think that's a given that guys are gonna gonna be the first to be like, oh, you you know, you need some, you need some money. I've been asked for money before. I've never been catfished through dating, but I, back when I was looking for a new roommate from my apartment, there were a couple times where I got, like, catfished, and I knew it was a scam, so like nothing happened. And one of the times I let it play all the way through just because I wanted to see how they were going to try and make money off of me. I'm, I'm always curious, like, where where the path goes. What is the path? So what happened was um, they, they presented as someone who wanted to, to move in or whatever, and they, they were coming from, like, across the country is what their story was. And what they ended up doing was they mailed me a check that I was supposed to deposit for, I don't know, it was probably about 2500 bucks or whatever. They were, you were going to pay their movers. Uh, or something like that. So like when I saw the check, I looked at it and I was like, this looks really fake. So I took it to the bank and I asked the teller, I said, Hey, this check looks really fake to me. Can you tell me if it's real? So she runs it under the lights and, and like in about three seconds, she says, yeah, this isn't a real check. And I said, that's what I thought. I, I got you on this. Look, I got a check maybe a year or two ago for a little over 92 grand, 92,000. 500 and some change and it was supposedly from an investor who wanted me to hold this money so he could put a down payment somewhere and it came in a fedex came in a fedex envelope like legit fedex it wasn't just dropped off by somebody so it was legit fedex here and i held on to the check for a little bit 
I was like, this obviously screams scam. Like nobody just sends you without, you know, without much back and forth, a check for almost a hundred thousand dollars. So I looked at the check, check looked legit. I brought it to the bank and they said, it's a real check. It even had like the heat, the heat sensor where you rub it, it warms up and the thing disappears. So it was, I mean, you could, so I, your check was better than mine. Cause mine was basically a step above a photocopy. Okay. It didn't have any of the security features on it. So look, so then I called the issuing company and asked them if they issued a check and they said, yes. And it was the real company. Like I Googled really? it. It was the real com company. Okay. Guess, guess what I found though? Because I had to call back a couple of times because I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to put it in my bank account and, and you know, no. flagged by like the fucking IRS or something. Um, they had issued the check to someone else in that amount. Now, presumably they were a big enough company to be writing $92,000 checks. There's a decent chance the check would clear through the bank. Mm -hmm. and, and then their accounting would catch it two weeks later or two months later, whenever, and be like, we're 92,000 short in this account. Why is that? And then see that they have two duplicate checks mm -hmm. and not know exactly which one is correct, but they do some investigation and it would catch up with me that far down the line after I've written out whatever payment to yeah. whichever one of these guys. Had. Right. So the second half of the transaction is first you write, you, you send somebody a, a check that they're supposed to catch to cash and they're, and then it's going to hit their bank account temporarily because the bank's going to assume that it's a good check. So you get 2,500 or 92,000 in your bank. And then the other side of it is they're going to ask you to send them payment for something and say, Hey, can you return that money that I have? Or well, put it can, a deposit with this party. So. Yeah, whatever the case is. So now you take money out of your bank account, send it to them. And then a couple of days later, the bank realizes that this is a bad check and they, and they stop the transaction and you no longer have the funds that you just deposited. So you're out whatever money you sent to the scammer, plus you didn't get the money that they gave you. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I ended up not cashing the check and I ended up like sending the information to the police, which would, with, with which I'm sure they promptly did nothing. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's really... You know, we had somebody here, don't get any ideas online, people. This is some shady shit. We had somebody here who, so every once in a while, somebody will email uh, agents from here and they'll make emails like Justin to Julia 46 at Gmail and email people saying, hey, I need you to get me a few hundred dollar gift cards. And somebody did it from the company. So I have right, you know, regularly, I'll, uh, you know, I'll text people and be like, look, if, if you don't recognize a number from me, you need to need to confirm with me but the guy got like six hundred dollars for the google play gift cards scratched off the code and texted the code to some number in new jersey and lost 600 bucks he's not getting that back he's not getting it from me either you know i i i feel bad but yeah but you're dumb but it's not uh, i mean he, no, was a, he was a newer agent too at the time so i don't know what he was Right, but why? If, if I were to ever get a request like that from a boss, and I wasn't sure about it or whatever, I would immediately send an email or a work chat to that person before giving before giving and money. say, "Hey, boss, I, I'm not really understanding why you need me to get six hundred dollars worth of this stuff. Um, can you explain to me so that way I can hear it directly from a channel in which I know they communicate with me?" Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would make sense, especially when it's a new number. And if you Google it, you Google my name, you're going to get my phone number. You know, yeah. part of my job is having public information so people can find me. Like, 
half of half of what I do in my job is uh, you know trying to get my phone number in front of more people. So <clears throat> yeah, I had a good one when I was in hotels. In terms of what? Um, in terms of people trying to scam us. So the way it would work is they would call they would call into the hotel knowing that they get the front desk and they'd say, Hey, can you connect me to room? And they would guess at a number. Mm-hmm. So you like most hotels will do like 100. So 101 is going to be the first floor. 102 is uh, 102 is the next room on the first floor. And then 201, 301, et cetera. Yeah, and nobody, so they would usually have room one or six. I feel like. Well, actually the right. hotel that I worked at did have those numbers. Mm-hmm. It was just rooms one through 21. But whatever the case is, they would guess at the room number. And sometimes they do some research. Like even at the hotel that was like rooms 1 through 21, sometimes people would be like, hey, can you connect me to room 12? And so what they would try and do is if I didn't, if I didn't verify some information from them, what they would do is if I just pass them through without asking any questions, it's going to ring through directly to that room. And then the yeah. room's going to answer. And now the person on the other line is going to say, this is so-and-so from the front desk. Your payment information like for, for your room for the night came back bad. Can you please um, – can you just give me your credit card information Brilliant. again so that I can re-enter it into the system? Brilliant. That's and so, smart. Yeah. Um, and it, it, I got those probably about once or twice a month. And well, they must I, have been working. It didn't work on me. But I'm uh, sure that there are plenty of people that, that just sent it through. But our, our hotel was really strict about that kind of stuff. Of We didn't divulge guest oh, lists. Yeah. And if you, if you called in or whatever and you said, like, can I, can I be connected with room 11 or whatever? I just say, you need to give me a specific name of the guest that you're trying to reach. I can't confirm whether or not anybody's here. You need to give me a first and last name. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know if anybody else has been scammed and, and what that scam looked like. Because I feel like it's just, but that's where I feel like as a society, like right now where people are not using critical thinking. Like you may have been burned by that once if it was like your second day. Like that, you know, but I still think a smart person would just be like, somebody called up for this room, I should get more information. Protecting yeah. guest privacy isn't just forwarding and, but if it was your first week, like I get it. Then I don't know. That was drilled into me like on day one of training oh, so and stuff brought, like that. Is, uh, well, not, not specifically that scam, but just the, the general idea of guest privacy and guest security. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get so many scams for real estate. Um, a lot of times it is. So there's a lot of ads out there for apartments where somebody it'll be, and it won't because people are dumb, but they're not so dumb. Okay, it's my understanding also that some of the scams really target the dumbest people. So when you get an email that says, hi, I'm a Nigerian prince, I inherited $2 million, everybody knows that scam? Almost everybody knows that scam. Well, no, those, so, those emails are deliberately crafted to screen for people that are not going to be gullible. Exactly. They're, they're intentionally written poorly, and they're intentionally preposterous situations, so that way a reasonable person won't bite because that's a waste of the scammer's time they want to get straight to the dumb people and that's and they're they're eliminating anybody who has intelligence and going straight to the dumb people by saying hey i'm a nigerian prince i inherited two million dollars i need to get the money out of the country because my wife is in duress you know who the real victims are here no the nigerian Nigerian princes who no longer are trusted i had a i had a nigerian roommate when my my first or second apartment second or third apartment in queens through Craigslist. And typically, I mean, now being in real estate and knowing all the scams, 
when you hear, I mean, there's different things that I hear in my head that instantly click and I go, that's a scam. And people are like, how do you know? I'm like, I just, I just know, like I know, I know the kind of mechanics of these online scams. So they're, they're pretty easy to figure out. Um, but yeah, I had a Nigerian roommate and she reached out to me through Craigslist, which, which I didn't catch. I didn't even think anything of at the time. I mean, yeah, but, but she ended up being a nice person. I think we FaceTimed. Well, she wasn't, she wasn't royalty though. No, she was not royalty. And then she went crazy and I didn't see her for three weeks. She just stayed in a room and then she left and went back to Ohio. It's very strange. So yeah, I feel bad for all the, the real Nigerian princes that genu- that genuinely have financial problems that they're looking to have somebody in the United States help and nobody believes them anymore. Somebody somebody said, uh, working drive through register, someone said they gave a 20 and then they, they then gave change for the 20. That's a good one. I've seen some scams where people are kind of fast with the money and uh, you know they'll, they'll give you a 20 or something and ask for two tens and a five. Like, you know. Yeah. Along those lines. That uh, makes me, whenever I hear about stuff like that, it just makes me think about like when you're, whenever you go to a casino or whatever, how when you do exchanges with, at the, at the cage where the, the money, they've got a camera on the ceiling. And yeah. so like they, the, the person on the cage lays out all the money and stuff. So that way, like the camera can record the interaction. So that way that can't, that stuff can't happen. Yeah. Well, it can, but it, they can catch it. Yeah. Uh, casino security is insane well that i mean i think it should be casinos pure money you know that's oh, right i'm not saying it shouldn't be i'm just saying that like if you want to talk about top of their game in terms of being able to catch anything that happens within like 30 seconds casino security is where it's at like my dad was in this in the casino once and he hit like a small jackpot on on a slot machine <laughs> and they don't give you the money they just print out a little receipt that you can bring to the cage and so like he was pretty excited so like as it's as the receipt's coming out he pulls on the receipt a little bit and cause the receipt to like just pull just like maybe an, another inch of the casino's branded receipt or whatever uh-huh. and, and security was there within like 15 seconds wow now, I, I didn't even he didn't get in any trouble it's not like he did anything wrong but it was just one wow. of those ones where even something that small casino security caught before he could even pocket the receipt yeah, well, they, and they were there. They were on top. Yep. Not not being well, but like they were no, there. No, it was just like, hey, like we need to talk to you about this. There's a reason why we're here. Yeah, they got somebody that they're here. That's that's crazy. Yeah. So so the scam I was just talking about was what will happen is somebody will advertise an apartment. It it won't be preposterously low. It'll be it'll be you know like let's say fourteen hundred dollars or which isn't like six hundred. Isn't that preposterously low in New York City? Well, so, but, but yes, it is, but it's not like stupid low because if you're moving, so New York city, a three bedroom apartment on average costs, a, a, a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan on average costs about $3,000. So if you're moving from any other city in the U S 1200 or 1400 or $1,500 seems like a lot of money. So when you, when you're navigating Craigslist and there's thousands of listings for 2,800, 2,400, 3,500, 4,000. And then you see it, you know, a handful of listings at like $1,200, $1,400. You just assume that the, there's a handful of listings at this lower price range. You know, you're going to settle with something that's not quite as nice, but you don't know. And the typical scam is um, we're out of town. We own the condo. It was for our daughter. Now she's studying at a different school. 
and we just want good God-fearing people in the apartment. So that's okay. at, a, at a you know we're very religious and we want to get someone who's religious, um, you know. So that's why we priced it so low because we really just care about a faithful, God-fearing person. Um, and and they get people like that. So I mean, yeah, but how do they close out the scam? How do like once you, you give them onto the ad, you give them. Oh. Money. And you don't get to see the apartment in person because they're not there to show it. But you can pay once you pay, then you can pick it up with the doorman or some of the keys with the doorman, or something along those lines. But also, I have seen instances of people seeing apartments. I've heard stories, and I saw one instance of people seeing apartments with a real estate agent, and then they go to move in, and somebody else is living there. So I was, I was one, and I've heard a story, but one time I was at Chase and there were these three guys that were really pissed. And apparently they each written certified checks, three people for 3,600 bucks each. Okay. And they gave the checks to some guy who showed them the apartment. They showed up to the apartment with their move-in truck and somebody was living there. And they're like, what are you doing living in our apartment? And like we moved in two weeks ago. They're like, yeah, but we saw the apartment a month ago. We're moving in today. And they were calling this real estate agent, who obviously was not a real estate agent. The number was disconnected. I mean, that guy just made a quick 10 grand. Oh, so what he did is he, he knew how to find open listings or whatever and pretended to be a real estate agent, took the money or whatever. And then the, the person who actually owned the apartment that was leasing it out had no idea about any of this. So this guy's just operating through some back channel that has no basis. No, yeah, he's just, he's physically, you know, stepping foot in that apartment. I assume he's probably like a, you know, you could pass off better for like a more nondescript person. You have hair. You know, I'm, people would be like, oh, the bald guy, I stand out a little bit more. <laughs> uh, you know, but if you just show up with like, you know, a baseball hat and a, a polo on or something like that, like for the most part, how is somebody going to be able to point you out again on the street in Manhattan. Especially if you've got a fake name and fake, fake business cards that don't have anything to do with your oh, actual uh, personal ID. You know how easy it would be to make fake business cards? Um, it would cost you less than $20. Yeah, 15 bucks with shipping. Right. And you don't need that many. Nope. In fact, it's probably best to do orders in small batches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, did I ever tell you the time when uh, when I worked at the car rental place in Queens and this guy showed up and he was speaking Spanish to one of the guys behind the counter, guy behind the counter, obviously speaking back to him in Spanish. So I don't know what's going on. Spanish is typically spoken pretty loudly. This is my perception of it. And they're and rapidly. Having, yeah. And very fast. And they're having this conversation. It sounded to me like they were old friends. They knew each other. And uh, they were going out for a while, joking, laughing, you know, hitting the desk. And, uh, and then the guy just sat there for like another 10 minutes. And he's like, yeah, I'm the uh, manager of the Apple store at Best Buy. And the Apple store is closing down because it was in too much competition. The Apple store in Best Buy was in too much competition with the regular Apple store. So Apple has chosen to close down the Apple and Best Buy and they're liquefying their inventory and we're getting stuff for really, really good deals. So I can get you laptops for like super cheap. And, uh, and you know, I was like, well, 
Yeah, at the very least, if he's going to give me a brand new laptop at less than retail price, I could just resell it on Craigslist or eBay at retail. It seems pretty safe, right? So the question is, why isn't he doing that? Why? Because he's an employee. So he's a, technically an Apple employee or something. So he, if he was caught doing that, he would get in trouble. But he could get a couple of computers with his employee discount, no problem. And uh, so we drove him to Best Buy. Stopped at the ATM. I pulled out like four, six hundred bucks or something. At the time, a huge amount of money for me because I, I think I had like a thousand dollars in my savings account, and maybe eighty-two dollars in my checking account. So whatever I pulled out was like more than half of my fucking net worth. And I gave him the money. We pulled into the. He goes pulling the employee. Um, pull into the employee entrance. So we pull in, we're in a separate parking lot, the side of the building, it's fenced off. And uh, he walks off. And I'm with another guy who works for the same company. And uh, doesn't come back. Ten minutes I was gonna say, I'm, I'm guessing you never saw him again. 10 minutes goes by. I was like, well, you know, whatever. He didn't even get his phone number. He just walked off with our money. 15, 20 minutes goes by, and uh, we're, we're like talking. I'm like, oh, one of us should go. So we go in. Hey, you know, some guy said you can't you walk around the store, can't find him. Now I'm like freaking out, like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, this is not red. Fuck, 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 fuck. And uh, the dude just disappeared. And the, the security said, yeah, this happened just a couple months ago, but, uh, you know, we obviously didn't know who it was. And of course, they wouldn't let us, the you know, customers, go back and see their their cameras. So, um, so yeah, we 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 were we were really screwed there. And I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you that afternoon what the guy looked like. Fifty, you know, fifty to fifty-five years old, short, cut hair, Hispanic, yeah, ish. Like, how do you where? Who am I describing in New York City? Mm. The next, the next eight hundred people you're gonna walk by in, in in three blocks, like yeah. that's no. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you you have such little recourse, um, and it's not a priority at all for the police. They don't care. No, what are, there's no win for the police. Nope. You know, and a lot of times the guys already spent the money. So what am I gonna take the guy to court, hire a fucking lawyer? No, you're not gonna. It's not. It's not happening. Yeah, so the, if you had just protected yourself and said, you come back with the laptop, here's the money, I'll give it to you once you come back to the car. Wow, I, I got, yeah, exactly. But he had to use the money to buy the object. Somebody just said they bought their mom a laptop for Christmas in a sealed box. And when the mom opened it, it was a phone book. Oh, yeah. That's um, brilliant. That's, a, that's good, man. One tip that I've heard from people, anytime that you buy something relatively expensive online, when you open up the box, um, just op like pop open your cell phone and take a video of you opening the box. Why is that? So that way, if it turns out that the object that you got is fake, so instead of a laptop, you get a phone book, you've got a video of you opening the sealed package to prove that you're not the one trying to scam people. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it only that. takes 30 seconds or whatever to take the video. And if it's good, you can delete the video. But if it's not, that video just saved you 
possibly hundreds or thousands of dollars because now you've got a case when you go to Amazon or, or eBay or whoever and say, here's a video of me opening the product that was sent to me. This is why it's a scam. Yeah, no, that's, I, I, I like that idea. Yeah, man, but that's, that's, uh, fucking scam artists, man. They got like, first of all, the only reason that I would find acceptable to be scamming is that you're down and out. Like you, like you, like you can't think of any other option to make money. There's always another option. Which is my next point. But you're, you're stuck on this idea and you can't think of anything else. So if your mind is there, I'm going to give you a bit of benefit of the doubt. But then still you're doing something that's just fucking evil. You know, like that's just a bad, just a bad thing. You know, like it's bad karma. It's, it's, you know, you deserve anything bad that happens to you. Like it's deserved, man, after that. The, the only people that I think that it's okay to scam are the people that are actually out, out there trying to scam others. So if you're scamming a scammer, fair game. Yeah, but don't scam an innocent person. But don't, yeah, you're just scamming, uh, scamming innocent people, I think, is just really dirty. Um, and uh, I don't know, that's just, it's, re it's really a shitty thing to do. And, you, you know, I was broke as fuck when I, when I lost that money on that, on that potential laptop which I, you know, in retrospect, like you don't know everything until it happens to you. And, uh, you know, and then your spidey sense gets, gets stronger when it comes to, when it comes to this stuff. But yeah, you're not going to know all these fucking scams that, that are out there. And, and that's why I think it's, it's important. You know, if you're one, if you're paying in fucking cryptocurrency for anything, like that should be your first red flag. Um, but still, you know, I've done exchanges for cryptocurrency before. I mean, I did my homework and everything and everything went fine, but I was super careful about it. Yeah. But that's, you're being careful about it. You're, you're thinking critically, you're doing research. You're not, you're not just impulsively being like, Oh, they want me to buy their MacBook for cryptocurrency. And you send them fucking 800 bucks in Bitcoin and you, the laptop doesn't work the next day or it doesn't work that day. Or, or you're not even going to get it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Or, well, the, the, you're paying somebody in fucking cryptocurrency for a product you haven't received. Right. Like that's, yeah. that, that should be a red flag right off the bat. And, and that's on you. So. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Somebody just said, you don't want to scam somebody that's got $500 in the bank. Well, that's, you know, that's basically where I was when, when I got. Well, that's actually kind of your ideal target is. Well. You if, want to present a too good to be true kind of an offer to somebody who doesn't have a lot of money because their money is going to go so much further. So if I only had $500 in the bank and you're offering me something that's like a $2,000 opportunity, I'm much more likely to go for that than like right now. Like if yeah, you were to offer me a $2,000 opportunity, that's huge risk right now. I'd probably say, no, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to roll the dice on this one. But if I was dead ass broke, and here's a chance for me to be able to turn some quick money and it's a risk, I'm much more likely to go for it. So like, yeah, well, that's, that's that. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, oh, yeah. uh, something about the black market. Uh, so I'll do a quick, quick, uh, pivot here because, um, 
you know, I, I was in the, in the office Saturday and some, some of the guys in the office are going to a party on Friday night and uh, they came in there a little hungover, but it was my understanding that they got, they got pretty lit before they went to a party, go to the party. And one of the guys in the office grew up in Bosnia during a genocide that I'm not too familiar with, but it's a genocide. Apparently you can look it up. And, and, and you'll learn a lot more details than I, than I currently know. And another guy said he grew up gay, and that was really a, a difficult, really bad way to grow up, and, and he suffered a lot growing up. And then they were arguing which was worse, growing up uh, gay or growing up in genocide. Okay, that's, there's no comparison there. Well, I'm sorry. I, well, I, but, but each person had their own stance. They were deeply rooted. And... The, what went through, and I didn't listen to the argument. Okay, the other person, ne neither neither person was in the room. I was hearing a recap of the story. My, I mean, these guys exaggerate, but it was my understanding it almost came to a fist fight, and and they were like getting really animated, and one of them had to leave. So I just walked in, and I said, one was looking at potentially growing up dead. And the other was looking at potentially growing up and having to fuck women. Like, there's a huge imbalance here. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the context of the argument was about, but, but you know, I, I quickly chose my side of that argument. And as difficult as women can be sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. It's a, it's a stressful position, but at the end of the day, one of them led to potentially being dead. Yeah, and also, even if your own life wasn't directly threatened, like witnessing the the extermination of, of a race around you is very different than having people around you not fully accept you for who you are. Like one of which carries a direct threat of bodily harm and witnessing true true atrocities versus not being able to express yourself in the fullest way. I don't, I don't think everybody should express themselves in the fullest way. I don't think. Right. But what I'm saying but no, is... I, no, I think, I think sexually, you know, unless you're going to start like flashing people in the street, you should be able to do what you want to do sexually. For the, you know, as long as you Who cares what you do behind closed doors? You can find a, a suitable and, and a green partner. Yeah. If you're not hurting anybody, who cares? By all means. I love the fact that we're, we're going in a direction of much more acceptance. Given... A lot of times it's, I have to challenge myself to kind of over, overcome the way I see things and the construct of things, um, you know, and, and I don't agree with everything, but I don't have a problem with it, you know, like, it, you don't have to agree with it, like, even if it's you know, something that bothers you, like, as long as it's not something that's in your face every single day, if it's something that people are just choosing to do that doesn't affect you whatsoever, then who cares? Exactly. Exactly, you know, like, you know, I, um, but yeah, that was, I just, I wanted to share that story with you because I just, you know, I, I imagine myself being a bystander and just like interjecting and saying, you know, like, how is this a conversation? You know, how, how are we, how are we comparing? Yeah. You know, like, it just, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense, you know. I don't know. I, 
I thought I thought I would I thought I would share that with you. Um, hmm, what else is going on? What's going on in South Carolina that that we're missing in, in boring New York City? I have no idea. Like my head is so deeply in the sand right now. Um, I mean, my head's always in the sand, so that's why I'm talking to you. I, I need, uh, <laughs> and that's why we're live for some some uh, <laughs> viewer feedback here. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, my head's well, in the sand. So, well, your idea about tonight about talking about hardship and stuff, well, like while growing up, um, we haven't really addressed. Well, but that's that's kind of that's that's you know, and I'm talking about growing up in genocide or growing up gay, like. That's not exactly what I meant by it, by by the idea of kind of growing up in hardship and it and it shaping who you are and and kind of establishing an internal drive for you. But that's what made me think of it. You know, I think you know both of those situations would shape who you are as an adult. But going through a certain amount of adversity when you're when you're in your formative years, I think is really really important. You know, otherwise, I don't think you have the drive or the ability to deal with shit as it gets flung at you throughout life. Well, and the thing is, if you don't have to face any adversity when you're young, the virtually nobody, it, it requires a truly special set of circumstances to have to go through your entire life where you're, where you're never going to fail and you're never going to face hardship. And so if you have a really easy, let's say, first 18 years of your life where anytime you get like let's say you live with your parents through 18 through high school and anytime you get in trouble or whatever they find a way they have the means to kind of bail you out so to speak you get bad grades they find a way of getting a tutor they get somebody to, to fix your grades for you you get in trouble with the law or whatever they hired an expensive lawyer and you don't have to face and you're not you're not the one digging yourself out of, out of the no shit. no no you're not solving any of your own problems you've got somebody you've got your parents solving them for you and so the eventually that's going to go away and there's going to come a time where you're going to have to face problems and if you haven't developed any skill set whatsoever in terms of either dealing with disappointment dealing with failing to realize a goal or dealing with negative consequences of your actions if you've never had to deal with that before it can be really catastrophic to a psyche well you know we had an agent through last summer i think he was he was with us for a few months he was a really good salesperson very charismatic super friendly like a good guy but he went from probably my guess is maybe being like really really overparented or really really underparented and then he went into college and for whatever reason he passed college but he was probably involved in a frat or something and how i knew him was he would come in he was a bit smelly because he didn't shower every day and then he would, whenever he made money, he would go out and drink as much as he could that night. I don't know if he did drugs. I know he definitely drank. And then he would pass out wherever and then come in the next day. And there were days I had to be like, dude, you've got to leave the office. You don't, you don't smell, you, you know, you don't smell good. Um, but he would just, he didn't have a limiter, you know, like he didn't, he didn't have this awareness and he also didn't have a limiter. So he would just drink. One time we were having some wine in the office and he, this is when he declared himself to be sober again. And, you know, we have an office of pretty free flowing alcoholic beverages. 
we were drinking some wine in the office. He said, hey, can I have a cup of wine? And I was like, well, I'll give you a little bit, you know, but we're not like really partying. We're just having some drinks. And uh, he drank the glass of wine. He came back and he said, can I have a little bit more? And then he did. Now, I was in a different room in the office, different whole other area in the office. Apparently, he'd been going into my office and drinking my scotch in between his glass of wine. And we found him like an hour later passed out in the hallway. So he was an alcoholic. He was a major, but I also believe there are drug issues. But also, like, I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of issues. Um, and, but he just didn't have any, like, stability. Like, he just couldn't, he lived in an apartment with, like, 12 people. Mm. So, like, he, you know, as cheap as it, as it goes. And he would cover that bill and close the next deal. But for the most time, my interaction with him was, he was just a young guy who, like, didn't shower on a regular basis. Yeah, but for the most part, was pretty... he was on the tail end of a bender. Well, yeah, but for the most part, pretty well put together. His parents would send him money, and he'd buy new clothes and and stuff like that. But uh, interesting fellow. Ultimately, uh, you know, I think we may have let him go. I think we fired him once, and then we we rehired him on certain grounds, and then he shortly thereafter that hmm. but we also cut his hair in the office uh his you know his hair was was getting really out of control and we uh we bought some clippers and one of the guys in the office could cut some hair and we we you know buzzed him up and it was a pretty good job and we had we laid down stuff on the floor and then pulled it all up and that was there and full service brokerage if you ask me yeah um yeah that that story makes me think of two things um the first is, I remember when when we first moved to South Carolina, mm-hmm. when you worked at Enterprise, yeah. one of your coworkers had a real problem with alcohol. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was our first, because like, when I, when I was in college, like, I drank an, an absolute shitload. I look back at what I did, and like, if I were to try and repeat some of the weeks that I had in college today, I don't think I would survive. I think it would literally kill me. <laughs> but my tolerance, I'm not kidding. No, I, I, I look back at some of the nights that I had, I was like, I could not do that. Um, and so the, the, the amount of drinking that happens in college, I don't think you can really compare to post-college. Um, so I didn't really have a solid grasp as to what an alcoholic looked like. Um, because all, my only reference was college where by most definitions, all of us were alcoholics. Um, but I, but that's it. Alcohol, alcoholism, I don't think is, I mean, you depend on where you're stretching, but I don't think it's defined on how much you drink. No, it isn't. It's defined on how it affects your life. So that's to my point. I remember, so this guy, he, at one, I, the, one of the stories was that there was a picture on the front page of the Charleston newspaper of him passed out on a corner of like meeting in, meeting in like calhoun street or whatever for like a like main a drag and yeah he just passed and, and he yeah and there was just a picture of him on the front page about charleston's drinking problem but i remember there was one night that we were hanging out with uh, you and i went out to one of your co-workers um apartments or whatever to have some drinks and just like oh a pretty low-key party like we were not raging and when we showed up he was completely normal because i think that was the very beginning of the night yeah. and after only two or three drinks his behavior changed dramatically and it was just like 
the, the night ended with they had a a like liquor slide like an ice slide that you could pour shots of liquor down and then you put your head under yeah mm-hmm. a loo- yeah that's it um and the night ended with him jumping across the table and doing a luge on the liquor luge and then <laughs> Oh god! I don't yeah, remember. so like it broke I the table, it broke the luge. It was a huge mess or whatever, and it was just like the dude sober would have never done anything like that. And so one uh, of the sober he I, wasn't sober he wasn't the most normal. No, but but, but he could pass with a good haircut and some clean clothes. Yeah, but the, like, the, the, the conclusion that I kind of took away from that was what separates a normal person and an alcoholic is that you see this profound change in the way that they act. Yeah. when they're under the influence of alcohol but not even that much not even that much you'll it's see a, no, that, i'm not saying like they have to be drunk i'm saying that like even a small amount of alcohol will invoke this large change in their personality yeah no i um, i uh i agree completely and when when people I, try and argue with me that alcoholism isn't a real disease that's one of the things that i tell them as i say we've all been around somebody that's like that you can't tell me that alcoholism isn't, alcoholism isn't a disease when we can see the real effects of it. We can see that some people are more susceptible to it than others. They haven't done yeah. anything to be susceptible and to it. And what's making but, them that much more susceptible is the disease. That, yeah, that's my point. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Oh, man. Um, well, and so the other story. So two weeks ago, I was hanging out with a friend that I knew from back when I was working in um, – in bars he moved away from charleston just moved back and he's got a new roommate and she has two kids one of whom's like eight the others i think 12 and she was talking about her the single guy that lives with a roommate has two kids he yeah so he moved into a house him and his friend moved into this house um and this 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 chick has two kids already so how many wait that live also in the house uh yeah this okay, particular night, we were having a couple of drinks at her house. Her kids were with their grandparents or something. But there's five people who live in this house regularly. Uh, two apparently. Them, two of them are, are children. Yes. How many bedrooms in the house? I don't know. Probably three or four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Four would be the reason. Four would be the, the lowest. I think him and his friend are sharing a, a bedroom. I don't know. It doesn't – like, maybe the right. – it doesn't – we're missing the point. The point of the story well, is I'm, no. I mean, I'm just I'm trying to figure out if we're dealing with you know somebody who's 28 years old and has a starter job in finance, and uh, you know has a good credit score, or if we're dealing with somebody who like works at Walmart part time and and you know works at at Target part time and drives an 18 year old car and has a you know uh, 18. I'm just trying to figure out who. Yeah, no, she she has a decent job working at a law firm as like a paralegal or whatever. Oh, she and owns then, the home. Huh? Yeah, so she she owns, she owns the home. And she rents she rents the rooms to make the mortgage. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm talking about the other people. I assume that. Oh, yeah. So my two buddies um right now they're working primarily as like delivery drivers here at DoorDash and the like. What what do you suspect their credit scores to be? I don't know, and I don't care because it's not part of this story. Because you could be a DoorDasher. I'm just saying. Sorry to interrupt this story because I know you're going smarter. But you could be a DoorDasher with a, a, a 780 credit score because you're a hard worker and you've got to make ends meet. Or you could be a DoorDasher with a 560 credit score because th- that's where you set your standard yeah. of living. For, 
for these guys, I would imagine it's probably somewhere in the middle, but probably trending more towards the uh, the bottom end of the spectrum. Okay. I'm, okay, thank you. We set the stage. All right. So anyways, um, she's talking about her two children, and um, my friend says, dude, her, her 12-year-old daughter is a certified genius. Now, when people say that, I, I generally generally i'm skeptical because a lot of people think kids are smart just because they're their own kids or whatever oh my question is certified but when she started describing her daughter or whatever and she showed me some videos of her daughter talking about some of these things and I'm like this kid's smarter than i am um oh that probably goes to, to exposure no 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 like this kid is legitimately like probably three or four standard deviations out in terms of iq and 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 on what what are we what are you driving that from? This video. Uh, well, for what one, you... she's she's already taking classes at, as a twelve-year-old. She's taking some classes at places like Stanford and MIT. Basic stuff, but the the like she's already she's going to like NASA camps for these kind of like gifted kids, and well, I mean, she's already skipped a grade. She wants to skip another grade. The point of the story is, I was telling her like that for one i'm not as smart as your daughter was <laughs> but a lot of the things that you're telling me about her remind me of what i was like when i was a kid and i said one thing that she's going to need to experience and sooner rather than later is up until this point in her life anything academic has been extremely easy for her because she's ridiculously smart mm -hmm. and she reads 90,000 pages a year. She reads any book you put in front of her. She teaches herself computer coding or whatever else. But there's going to come a point where there's going to be some kind of a subject matter that she just doesn't get, that she struggles with. She's going to get, for the first she's time in her life, a, a B on a test, a B on a paper. Or a and, C, and that could yeah, be. Right. But there's going to come a time where, through whatever circumstances, she doesn't succeed in the way that she has always known. Mm -hmm. and she's going to need to learn what that feels like and it's better for her to figure that out now than when she's 18 or 19 and still as smart as she is now but having never met any failure but it's, you don't but you don't think that accepting a c in a class will give her an experience of compromise and now she no. realizes it's not that bad like cause the first time i got a c i was like oh it's not that bad and I didn't work as hard, and I was a B student. When I got a, when I got my first C, it was in a class called Humanities. Uh, when I was at LaSalle, and I got a C because I refused to write a paper because the class was misbehaving, and you know the principal or the, the we got in trouble with the print. It went to the principal's level, and the teacher was like, "All right, you guys have to write a paper. It's going to be three pages long, and it's got to say why you shouldn't do this." And I just wrote in big letters in obviously in pencil on the top of the page because that's how we, we didn't type anything back then. Um, I wrote do one to others. It was a religious, it was a Catholic school. So I wrote do one to others as thou shall want them to do to thou or something along those lines. And, and he, he just, he gave me a zero on the paper, which, which obviously, you know, is a fucking black hole when it comes to your fucking grade. In the class. Oh, yeah. But I was like, fuck, I'm not right. I like, I'm the best behaved kid in the entire school right now. Because my, my mom promised me if I got straight A's, I could go back to public school. <laughs> 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 like that, so I was like, dude, like there's no way I'm not getting an A in every class. But I drew my I drew my line. But when I got this first C, I was like, oh, life isn't that bad. Yeah. And you know, my goal wasn't to go to fucking Princeton. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, but think I think it's impressive. I think it's impressive that this girl is taking classes at like Stanford or something because the way you teach at Stanford isn't the way you teach at community college. Oh, no. So she's at the learning ability of somebody who goes to Stanford, which oh, is yeah. also impressive. Not just the classes that she's taking at that age, but her ability to learn, I think. Is well, she's probably taking pretty basic classes. But sure. The fact but that at, at age 12, to take any college class, any legitimately college-level class is impressive by itself. At age 12, it'd be shoulder to shoulder with somebody who's 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. Oh, yeah. And, and part of her struggle is, like, she has, in some ways, the maturity of, of someone in that age. Of she's, she's, used to, she's already kind of accustomed to the academic environment and thinking like someone who's either a college student or a college professor. Well, but she hasn't had the time to develop the maturity yet to, to know how to engage. So she'll end up forming these emotional attachments with, with people that are two or three times her age. And her mom's just like, look, I get where you're coming from, but like you're 12 and these people are 12. But she's also living bedroom wall to bed, headboard to headboard. With somebody who's 28, 30 years old. Well, and she also has a younger sister that's eight. And she goes to public school you're with people 12, her own age. I know you're not a, a kid haver. But your 12-year-old is sharing a wall headboard to headboard with somebody who's 28 years old. She's a female. He's a male. But it's not um, the the point that her mom was making is that like she'll develop these attachments with like professors or other students in like these college classes or whatever. So she's she... very detached. There's a lot of psychology that goes into fucking being a human. She's oh, yeah. got some issues. She's filling it with academia, which is good. <laughs> like it's not a bad thing. But that's why I think some adversity when you're a kid. She's got fucking issues, man, and she's brilliant. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, yeah, but I, I'm saying that she needs to face more adversity early because if it wait if you wait too long, that adversity will be crushing. And I actually think it works the other way. Um, where if you think about like the 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 first time you fall in love, the first time you're in like a serious relationship, like if that happens pretty early on in your life, then you are able to kind of develop a framework as to what relationships look like and feel like. And so you are less likely to fall into a toxic relationship because you've got experience with the way that people interact. But if you don't have your first serious relationship until your early or mid twenties and you have no reference frame or whatever, then you can end up way too deep in your head, like in way over your head on a relationship and not know any different. True. Um, True. I think about well, our, our friend from Albany, um, who started dating, like, whose first serious relationship was until he was, like, 19 or 20. Well, my first relationship came pretty late, and I probably paid the price. Yeah, but you you were, like, 16 or 17. I think I was 18. Actually, I was a senior. But but his was later than that. His was college, right? Yeah. Um, and remember how toxic that was? And it was, yeah, but he latched on and... Right, because he didn't know any better, because he had never had a relationship before. Oh, I let mine. I let mine play out longer than it should have too, and it and, and in a bad way. But that's, but that's dealing with bullshit and dealing with shitty shit is part of growing. You know, I, I follow all these like mentorship podcasts and and Instagram accounts and shit like that, and everybody's talking about how fucking awesome failure is for you. Failure is not awesome. Failure is no. fa- failure no. is what you try to try to avoid so goddamn hard. No, the consequences of failure long term exactly. often are good 
Well, but failure in the moment sucks always. Like, and you're and you're fighting hard against it. You know? Yeah. But ultimately, you fail. You're failing. You fail, and then you've got to move on to something else. So most times, the people that are fighting failure really hard are going to come back pretty well. And then because of that failure, hopefully, they came back better. And not everybody does. But that's just that. no. But my family. But the the whole thing is like failure in the moment always sucks. If it doesn't, it's not failure. Dude, so much shit in the moment sucks. I, right. I had a ni- I had a nice Saturday and Sunday, and in the moment, I, I I I caught myself several times thinking like, oh wait, I'm relaxing now. I don't feel relaxed. Like this is, I, I gotta put my phone down. I just need to and chill and enjoy the taste of the, the coffee that I'm drinking, and just think about that, and like not be fucking somewhere else. But almost everything in the moment fucking sucks, man. Like right now, I'm I'm stressed about people sending me text messages. People I hear outside of, outside of the office door, like you know, I'm stressed. The fucking the AC went off in the office. It's going from 77 degrees to probably fucking 85. There's a lot of shit going on that's stressful. A lot of shit in the moment. You're focused on the shit that you shouldn't be. What I need to do is focus on what we're doing right now and focus on the positive. But a lot of what I'm saying is a lot of things in the moment are bad it's what you choose to focus on in the moment in retrospect you can say oh yeah that was a really good time for me because i failed and now i'm here well but in the I, moment it wasn't a good time for you like my whole thing is like, failure in the moment is going to have to suck but it it can offer you opportunities to show you things that you didn't that you wouldn't have been able to find out otherwise so i've refereed soccer for over 20 years at this point and i consider myself to be pretty good at it so at this point, when I'm working with people that are less experienced and they have a good game, or if I've worked with them a sev- several times in a row and they've had good games, what I will tell them is, look, the game that you just did was easy. And you've been able to make it to this point with the skills that you have, but there's going to come a time where the things that you've been doing that have worked up until this point are not going to work for you. And you're going to need to learn new skills. And the best way to do that is go and work a game that is way above your level or just have a game where everything goes terribly, where it doesn't matter what you do, everybody's unhappy with you. And at the end of the game, everybody's, everybody's miserable, including yourself. And you walk away from the game saying, that was awful from start to finish. And I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And like... It sounds like a feeling you've had before. Oh my God. But I've seen too many people that like, and I, I, I hate to single this out, but like I've worked with a couple female referees that are pretty attractive that have worked like, so the, the league that I work the most often in Charleston is just an open men's league. Anybody that's above age 18 can sign up for it. And so like, you've got these young attractive females that are working that can kind of be able to utilize the fact that they're an attractive female to get away from the fact that they just made a bad call. Yeah. because all they need to do is just kind of smile at the guys and it's okay. Yeah. And I say, look, that strategy is great. Use that. But there's going to come a time where if you're working a college game or a professional game, they're not going to care that you're attractive. They're going to care that the call that you just made them is potentially costing them their job or their scholarship or a chance at a championship. And the fact that you're attractive doesn't matter. And so that strategy works here. 
it's not going to work later. You need to get yourself into an environment where that doesn't work for you so that you can develop other skills. Still have that skill, work with what you've got, but you need to, and the only way you're ever going to discover these other skills is by failing with the skills that you have right now. No, but that's exactly, exactly kind of where I'm, you know, where I wanted to go with this. You have to develop other skills to cope and to deal. Um, we're going to, we're going to drop off uh, Instagram live in a second. If you guys are watching right now, we'll be right back on after this ends. I don't know, for some reason we lost a whole bunch. Um, but thank you for watching. We'll be right back. Um, but I think that's, that's what fucking growth is. You know, at first, right. you, it's, it's an experience of discomfort. And, you know, think about like any animal that like outgrows their shell or whatever the fuck animals outgrow. And that's, there's extreme, disc extreme discomfort. And also which, vulnerability. Which you're either forced to change for survival or you choose to change for survival or you end up living in the fucking projects. You live in a fucking mobile home. You don't change and then life is just fucking shitty. I think the, the whole idea of like, there are nice mobile homes. I, I think your idea about like the, the like the insect molting through its exoskeleton is actually really good. Which is like in order for them to grow, they have to shed their old exoskeleton and there's going to be a period of time that their new exoskeleton hasn't hardened and they're extremely vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, but that's like right after a breakup when you're when you're when you just feel super vulnerable and you're like fuck, like my life feels like it's ending. Sorry, I got to restart with the Instagram stream. Yeah, but the, the, the whole idea is that after you get past that period of vulnerability, you now have a bigger, stronger skeleton. Exactly, exactly. Um, but in the moment, it's really, you know, like when you're fresh off a breakup, you're not thinking that way. And, and you know, chemistry-wise, your brain, it's, re you know, it's really... Well, it's the same thing. Like, if you get fired from a job, like, you can take that one of two different ways. And you can say, you can get mad and blame it on the employer, or you can look and say, what are the skills that they thought I lacked that I need to develop? Sure, sure. You know, I uh, very right before I started real estate, I think I might have been doing real estate actually at the time, part time. And I went for an interview with like at a different division of whatever I was doing. I think I was doing I was doing car rentals. I was going to go to fleet sales. Okay. And that was a big deal. Like fleet was a big thing because now you're meeting with big companies that need to fucking buy a fleet, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, let's see, when was this in 2000? 11 or 12, probably. 11-ish, no, 2011. Um, so I was 20, how old was I in 2011? 26? 26, probably. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, okay, so, and uh, I, I contacted a previous manager of mine who had gone in the same direction and I got a bunch of literature and I actually found out what fleet sales does to sell their clients. And I created a very similar 
binded package resume selling point uh, selling plan for myself. I had it bound like with the wire bindings. Uh, uh, but you put in a lot of effort to make a good presentation. Yeah, like you, you see this binder right here with the, with the spiral bound. I created a whole plan to go and sell these guys and it looked a lot like their sales plan. So I'm like, if my sales plan looks like their sales plan, this is what they're selling. How could they not buy this? Yeah. And then, I found out that, then I found out that my manager, not, no, not my assistant manager, not my branch manager, my area man or my regional area manager was going for the same job as me. So it didn't matter what you did. I didn't find that out until a long while later, but that was, uh, you know, in retrospect, it broke me at the time. I was like, I'm never going anywhere with this. Like, and that's why I went into real estate. But, uh, but then I found out afterwards, like, that's what I was, that was my competition at the time. And I lost, but who the fuck, I mean, I wouldn't hire me over the other person. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make sense. No. Um, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, that's something, that's kind of advice that I just give to anybody is that you're going to need, at, at some point, you're going to need to fail and you're going to need to know what it feels like to do so. But so and, if, if we didn't grow up rich, but the way, here's my thinking about like having kids without, I don't have any kids yet, as you clearly know. Um, but anybody watching may not. I'm kind of like fend for yourself type of parent. Oh, I, I, not that I ever want to have kids, but I still think that like you need to empower your kids to make decisions and let them deal with the consequences and only bail them out when things really, really get to the point where they can't handle out of out of their own control. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I want to make like, you know, very autonomous, very well-educated kids where, you know, like I, one thing I, I see all these people talking baby talk and gibberish to fucking babies. And I'm like, why? Like, you ever see somebody talk for their animal? You ever seen where somebody is like, they're walking their dog and then like a the dog comes up against somebody and they start talking for the dog? Vaguely. It, it's such a, it's such a strange They do this like dopey voice like, oh, I really like you scratch me under my fucking crotch. Rub my neck, I really like it, blah, blah, blah. And they start talking fucking gibberish, like a fucking retarded animal talk. And um, that's the personality they've assigned in their mind for the dog. But either way, the dog isn't saying this. No. It's the person saying it. So I see people talk to babies, and they talk in gibberish. I don't, I, I don't know anything about baby psychology, but I imagine that's not helpful for the kid. That's my favorite. I, I can't think it would be, but I'm not an expert on this. But, you know, kids are probably learning by, uh, you know, like they're learning words and they're learning how things happen. I just think the gibberish doesn't help their brains develop. I don't think so either. Um, when, when I think about it, when I was a kid, I, like one of the things that I remember most distinctly is that a lot of the interactions that I had with adults, I – if I, if I, and I just, I'm just realizing this now, but most of the interactions that I had with adults, I, I, I remember them treating me more like an adult than like a kid. And, and yeah, I, I didn't, I, I don't know, like I'm processing all of this right now, but the idea of treat a kid like an adult and well, treat a kid like an equal, treat a kid like somebody who's, who's learning, you know, just think about the adults that we have in our society now with fucking retards. 
Okay, yeah, but I mean, it's, th that that empowers a kid. If you treat a kid like you would any other adult, and give them the, uh, and then if they act in such a way that they no longer deserve that treatment, fine. But give them always let them start out as an equal, and the kid's going to learn how to interact with adults and how to be more mature because you're demonstrating that behavior. To them. It's by demonstration. It's yeah. exactly, exactly where I'm going with this. I wish I wish I had kind of you know pre-thought out some of this the direction of this conversation, but no, we never do, with the exception of the negotiation. We don't, we don't. You, uh, which you know, it just popped into my head though, which you may think is funny or maybe not. But I've been looking to buy houses because I, I brought this up earlier with you. Been looking at at moving to New Jersey or to Long Island. So all I want is space. I don't I don't want the house isn't important the home well, is the idea I, of paying paying a mortgage and developing equity in some place instead of just burning money on rent every single month has to be appealing sure but also like at this point like if i want to start having kids and stuff like i'm over in new york um i you know i, I want to i i grew up a certain way i want to be able to deliver at least a taste of that to the kids that i have but i just want space i want privacy like i can hear my neighbor fuck you know that's not privacy. Yeah, and having your own house, you don't have to worry about that. But plus, like, I want to buy some workout equipment. I have fucking 725 square feet. Like, that's not... I have a rower in the center of my living room. Like, you can't walk up to the fucking coffee table right now. So, like, I want to have... You know, now that all the gyms are closed and shit, like, I'm just, like, reevaluating shit. I'm like, you know, I, I, I spend fucking 10, 11, 12 hours a day in my office in Midtown Manhattan. Like, that's cool. Like, I got a fucking taste of Manhattan, man. Like, I reek like Manhattan. Like, I, I'm a New Yorker as far as I'm concerned. Like, people argue whatever you want about being a New Yorker. Like, I'm in so much of a New Yorker, I'm fucking done, man. There's fucking homeless people taking shits in McDonald's cups, you know, down the block. I'm, I'm, I'm out for it. Yeah, that's peak New York right there. Maybe in the future I'll come back, but... Well, um, you could, and I think what you're saying is that you've got enough of a taste in New York through your office that you can live outside of New York, commute and still, in, and that's and enough New be, York for you. And still be New York. But, but really what I'm thinking is like, yeah, I, I want to move out, out to New Jersey. I've been looking at houses on Zillow, but I have this love, like this, this emotional attachment to the homes. Like, oh, this is the next step of my life. And then I reach out to the real estate agent. And half of them just treat me like shit because they think I'm another real estate agent in New Jersey, which I'm not. I'm actually a customer. I'm actually like a consumer. But they treat me like another co-broker, which they don't want a co-broker. They want a direct client where they make double the commission. If they think I'm a co-broker, they instantly lose half their commission. But aren't you opening up the, the communication saying, I'm looking to buy? I am. But they just see the emails. So I've been like sending emails to my junkie mug. So, but either way, I develop this emotional attachment to these properties, and then somebody else buys them. I always see the pending update, and the way it makes me feel is when I'm on Facebook, and I see an ex-girlfriend or somebody I had a relationship with before is now engaged, or is now having kids, or is now off the market for all intents and purposes. And it's really, you know, it's really difficult for me. And it's not, it's not really difficult, but it, it, it just, yeah, I get that heart twinge. You're like, oh, you know, all right. All right. Uh, that, I don't that know. Chapter, that chapter is closed. They recently, home. I've been looking at properties out in California. And for me, like, I don't know, like I'll, I'll look at pictures of different houses or whatever in Northern California. And to me, 
All I'm looking at is how well is the building constructed? What's the price? What's the location? I don't develop any emotion about any of these places. Oh, it's so emotional. I just picture my future, man. Like I have fucking photo albums of this house in the background already in the back of my head. Like it's for me. I'm just saying you're asking three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for that. Get out of here, dude. So, I mean, where we grew up was the, the property values are still not even that high where we grew up. No, uh, not really. Not compared to New York City or Northern California. I mean, I feel like for half a million bucks, you could buy a fucking mansion where we grew up. I, I just, the economy doesn't support. Yeah. I'd say out in the country, you could get yourself something pretty banger. God, I mean, you, you get a huge place like in, where we grew up. I, I, I mean, I don't know exactly. Your parents still live there, so you would probably be more in tune with property values than I am. No, not at all, dude. Like, the, the, they've had their house for as long as I've been alive. So, um, but I just, I, you know, I uh, down in the New Jersey, the New York City kind of metro area, the same thing with California. Like, the prices are just so different. Which also, you know, rem it should be a reminder that, like, the United. We talk about politics in the U.S. Like, New York and California and Florida. Texas to a degree or like are not the greater United States which is something that actually um, when you ask people from foreign countries about their opinion that United States the repu the representation of the United States in media is very often one of those four states New York California Florida or Texas from the rest of the world perspective yeah exactly but think about the population of these areas Think oh, about yeah. the output. Think about the output in these areas in terms of good services, media, what you know. What if was California was its own country, it would be the thirteen largest. Uh, it would have the thirteen largest GDP. What? Oh, GDP. Okay. Yeah. So if California were its own country, California is bigger than Japan. Yeah. No. Fuck yeah, it's bigger than Japan. Cal actually, California is pretty close to Japan. Like it's a really interesting comparison between California and Japan because they line up in a lot of ways, but. Think about that. One of our states. Reverse. reverse uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of crazy comparisons between California and I Japan. Never, I've, never, I've never thought about the, the comparison between California and Japan. But no, the, the geography thing about, like, it's about the same size. And, like, yeah, it's kind of a mirror image without the islands and everything. But think about that. One of our states has the population and GDP similar to japan the population's lower because japan's got like a super dense population in certain areas but like yeah one of our states has the gdp of japan and then there's 14 other other states and japan is a is a major producer oh yeah japan's got a pretty solid economy electronics uh that's a big problem is fertility fertility is low in japan and people just don't fuck each other here, no, here's one of my favorite when I was, statistics. When I, was, when, I, when I went to Japan, I noticed it was my, it was my, what I, what I experienced was that men and women don't spend that much time together. There are these weird sex shops that white people couldn't go to, basically, like American people. Well, not just white people, non, non-Asian people couldn't go to. Um, but there wasn't a, a lot of asexual people. A lot of young people with zero, because I saw a lot of drunk people with zero kind of social skills. So, yeah, that, well, that's what I mean by fertility is not necessarily like their inability to reproduce. It's, their, it's that culturally there's something going on there where people don't want to have kids. 
And as someone who doesn't want to have kids, I don't judge it, but I'm just saying that like from a national standpoint or whatever, the fact that they have a negative growth rate is going to be a problem. Here's my favorite statistic about Japan. I want to talk about a negative growth rate, but go ahead. This is quick. Japan sells more adult diapers than baby diapers. I, I didn't know that was a statistic, but I, uh, it's my understanding that the old age population is outgrowing the, the, the baby population. Yeah, and that's what the statistic reflects, exactly. is that more yeah. old people are buying diapers than young people having kids are buying diapers for their kids. But that's good from an earther, you know, uh, uh, environmentalist perspective, is that, you know, there's certain areas that the population has stopped growing. Yeah, there's there's some patterns there in terms of like uh, a kind of a, a, a curve that every developing country follows in terms of its birth rate. And, and how it levels out as it develops. I, I think I think that's superficial. I, I really think like you think about no. New York, you think about New York State, and then and then fucking drive to New York State and see how much extra space there is. So we could have some other influencer on the economy or on the society, and people are start fucking like fucking rabbits. And there's so much extra space. No, no. What I'm saying is that if you look at like take third world countries that tend to have really high um like population growth rates or whatever um yeah. as you watch a society progress from third world developing nation to developing nation in improper to a first world developed nation or whatever what you'll see is that and this is it's remarkable how well it tracks if you can look at like countries across history and see like from when they were developing to when they became developed the the trend lines are almost all the same where as they become more developed or whatever, their birth rates decline. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that, yeah, I, I think that's very clear with, with, I mean, and, my, and, I mean, and you I, can look at countries like, yeah, yeah, you can look at countries like, um, I think Taiwan and South Korea are good ones, but also um, like certain Middle Eastern countries that 50 years ago didn't have the economics that they do now. And you can see that the birth rates, the birth rates as the GDP per capita increase, the birth rates decline yeah, and they kind of level off. Kids You're having, and, two kids kind of max. Yeah. But like, the, how many, let me ask you a question. How many siblings do your mom have? My mom had one brother. Just Dan. All right. How about your father? I believe he had two sisters. So that's three. My mom had three sisters. My father had two sisters and a brother. So that's four and four. So, so your so, yeah. parents, Max, you so your, your parents to put together is eight. My parents put together is five. And how many are your kids? All right, Zero. Is your, is your generation? No, your generation. <laughs> Um, I've got two brothers. So my parents had three kids. Exactly. And then you, you're going to output zero. Yep. David might be unluck, unlucky and put out one. I could see I could see the Durf putting out one or two. I, I don't think Casey's going to hit the, the mark there. No, no. There's, there's lots of problems there. But uh, it's a good guy. I like Casey. He's I, gotten better. I don't see the, the recreation uh, happening there. Yeah, he needs, to f- he needs to find a willing partner to begin with. Well, yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, it is the world. Is um, so. But, yeah, so, yeah, Japan's negative growth rate, is that's their biggest problem. And when you're talking about why you were there and what you saw, those are all kind of legacy 
legacy impacts of their collectivist workaholic culture? Sure, but also not just being workaholics, but the social skills have fallen a lot. A lot of people spending a lot of time behind screens. You're mm -hmm. technologically advanced, which should be an indicator of where a lot of other places are going. The other thing is that the vast majority of Japan's population lives in a few cities, all of which are extremely dense. Yeah. So Tokyo, Kyoto, somewhere else probably. But yeah. Density, but but how are people that are super dense not fucking each other again like rabbits? So because it's in a because they it, it's really an oppressive kind of culture where it's really hard to be able to develop a social life because to some degree self-expression and standing out from the crowd, the, the, the collectivism is they, they don't like seeing other people kind of like attention, garnering attention is seen as a negative in Japan. So you don't want to stand out. You work a lot. So it's really hard to be able to develop a personality because you're not supposed sure. to stand out. You don't have the time to be able to do much because like, it's not uncommon for people to like, especially in beginning jobs or like workers in their early twenties or whatever to be working 70, 80, 90, a hundred hours a week. It's fucking insane. Hold on one second. Guys, I want to hit some, uh, some viewer questions. We, Amanda, Hey, what's up? Uh, Coco, uh, if you got any questions, let me know. Rodolfo interact, man. If we got questions. All right. Just let me know what you want to hear. Give me, uh, give me some questions. Whether it's about Japan or there's about catfishing or growing up, uh, in adversity. That's, that's what we're here for. Cause we're going to sign off soon. You guys have questions, let me know. Um, what, so, where, have you traveled to Asia? No, no, I have not. Uh, I would like to go to Japan. Um, Japan and Taiwan are both interesting to me. I want to go to Shanghai. I, hear I would not step foot in China right now. Well, good reason for that. But, but why Taiwan? Um because they're very similar to Japan in a lot of ways, but I think they, that their culture is a little bit more open. Um, and I, I honestly don't know very much about Taiwan, but it, it, it just seems to me like a really fascinating country and it has really cool geography. There's a lot to see there. Um, same thing for like um, also Singapore or even the Philippines, which is more of like a developing nation, but uh, you, you've, you've been pretty familiar with Filipino culture in the past. And I, when I worked in restaurants, um, the ownership of my restaurant was Filipino. And so oh, I just think, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the restaurant that I worked at for three years was owned by uh, a Filipino woman. And I, I'm, I'm really familiar with Filipino culture. And I love Filipinos. They're, they're so friendly. And like, I've never had a neg negative experience with the Filipinos. So like the Philippines are interesting. There's a decent Filipino population in Charleston, South Carolina. There is. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty big from my recollection. Probably pretty big. I was surprised. I you know I I didn't realize there was that many Filipino people. Yeah, but uh, yeah, any experience I've had with Filipinos has been po positive, and so I have to imagine that like the Philippines in general are just going to be filled with people like that. Um, and then yeah, Taiwan seems to be kind of like I would imagine pretty similar to Japan, although. And, and they're more they, yeah. yeah but the thing is taiwan is not china because they said we don't want to be a part of china it's, a, it's it, that's a weird it's gonna to happen to the u.s soon i feel like 
we're going to have, especially, it depends on the next president, but I, I feel like the next two or three presidents are real. We're going to have, we're going to have a lot of that going on in the U.S. I just, I think this, you know, I don't have any doubt. Well, the new Cold War is going to be between U.S. and China. Well, I mean, why would it? It already exists to they, some degree. The, the U.S. thinks, you know, we're so great, but, um, you know, but you've got countries like Russia and China, which, which you can't compare Russia and China. No, no, no. But, but geographically, Russia. They're close. Yeah, they're close geographically for sure. And then you got China, population-wise, technology-wise, and their government is way different than the You know, mechanically, they could get China could get hundreds of thousands of fucking people, soldiers. Oh, millions. Whereas that's not happening. Well, yeah, you're, you're comparing a, a population of 1.5 billion versus 350 million. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I'm saying the new Cold War is going to be China, because if you look at like the 60s and 70s or 50s, 60s and 70s, the height of the Cold War, the economies and the GDP and everything between the United States and Russia were much more comparable. Russia's fallen off. And well, but it's still a big amount of space. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the space doesn't have, matter very much. They got, Whereas, couple, they got a couple of cold, cold, extra cold years where people fuck a little extra. They get a couple extra people. Russia has problems with fertility as well. China is the China is really going to be the the next adversary for us because they can compete with us. They have the population, and their government has such a strong control over over like just the citizenry and. Like, and ideologically, they're really oppositional to the United States. And the thing is, the thing that China has that Russia didn't, and this is really the big difference, is even at its height, Russia it's not, did not it's have penis size. I know what? It's not penis size. No, it's not penis size. Um, economic impact is Russia's economy, even during the 60s and 70s, doesn't compare to China's economy today. Well, Everything that China has been doing you, has been to grow their economy and exactly. increase their influence in the world. And so that's why you see countless examples of international companies refusing to call China out on any number of their bad practices is because economically, these companies depend so heavily on Chinese manufacturing and also the Chinese retail market of being able to sell their goods in China. They, is they both produce and sell in China to such a high degree that they cannot, for their business's own sake, risk jeopardizing the Chinese market. Yeah. Whereas Russia, even during its height of its power, didn't compare. Well, you got a billion in fucking China. How many, what's the population of Russia? You know? Population of Russia? Good question. Let me look it up. You tell me and then we're signing off because it's late and uh, high from Arkansas. So Russia has 145 million people. Oh, that's it? Yep. Uh, that's an icy place, man. Population in the United States is about 330 million, so I was off. So we're about double Russia, a little more than double Russia. Population of China. Which is smaller. 1.393, so 1.4. Wow. So China is a yeah, so China is four times more populated than the United States. Wow. What's it? What's it? Uh, how much? What's the uh, geographic extent of it? 
China is roughly the same size geographically as the United States. As the U.S., that's right. And Russia is what, like two or three Much times? Big. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah. two or three times. Yeah, but so much of that is just Siberian wasteland. Sure, of course. All right, dude. Um, we're gonna catch up Thursday. If you guys are watching, catch us Thursday. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up. Let's make Thursdays a time for us to respond to some of the comments that we got and ignored today. We did ignore a lot of comments. Uh, Australia, twenty fifth night. All right. I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you later. I'm going to sign off, and uh, I'll see you. All right. Sounds good. See you. Cheers. Oh, shit. You're still there? You watch this whole thing? Man, you, uh, you're really dedicated, and for that, I appreciate you. So, to show your love, comment, like, subscribe, share, all of the above, and I promise to show you some love back. All right, thank you. See you soon.